morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning for our outdoor service. We'd like to start out this morning with just reading a quick verse, um, the verse of the day. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord is your God. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. If you would join us this morning, um, get passwords out. If you haven't gotten any, we do have the list. The splendor of the King, clothing majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And I will see how great, how great is our God. And time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great! next to you and say, it's great to see you on this beautiful day outside.
Take my moments and my 
please bow your head as we pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us together on this gorgeous day. You've not, you could not have given us just a more amazing weather. So we thank you for the ability to gather outdoors today. We thank you for all the gifts you've given us, the, the amazing gift of our uh, each other's company and this body of Christ that we're able to take uh, participate in. Lord, as we continue on with this service, we ask that you set aside our troubles and our worries and cares and allow us to focus our hearts and minds on you. And we thank you for that most amazing gift of grace you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And give thanks in all things in his name. Amen. We didn't blow out the speakers, so that was good. Thank you all for coming. Uh, we added some ambiance of the campfire smoke for you all. So you feel welcome in an outdoor service. That's pretty great. Uh, I think, as many as you have shown up, we might need to do this in February. This would be, then we'd really see who the tough people are. It's pretty cool. Um, thank you all for coming. It's so good seeing everybody. And with all the stuff we've been dealing with and the apprehension of being inside a building and it's just i don't know i'm kind of overjoyed i don't know what to say okay well i'll just talk uh we'll take this time of service if you have anything uh do you need prayer for or prayer about oh, what do i do oh kids are dismissed to go to children's church in the back thank you for the jumping jacks in the back that's appropriate does anybody have a couple of people i don't know if did the floys come back chris there they are Chris is over there. Um, if you continue to lift Chris up in prayer, they're still trying to figure out uh, what to do with his liver. They're, we got a couple things they're going after, um, but they still need you to be pouring out in prayer for him. Um, they're still taking fluid from his abdomen every couple weeks now, and we still need to get some answers, and we need to get them quick so that he can get back to doing all the things he loves to do and that his wife can stop worrying. And so if you continue to lift Chris up in prayer, I know that he would greatly appreciate that to get some answers quick. If you continue to pray for EJ McDonald, who's also having some stuff going on with his liver, um, he was overwhelmed by all of you reaching out to him and sending him messages and um, of encouragement. And so keep doing that. And he's still, they still don't know exactly what's going on, but he seems to be getting a little bit better, but he's not out of the woods yet. So we continue to pray for EJ. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to add? Yes. Um, did you guys hear that? Logan Rompola had her thyroid removed, and I guess she was um, really struggling with thyroid issues and then um, thyroid cancer, I guess. But so we do pray for Logan that they was all taken out and that the recovery would be quick. Yes. Uh, Joyce Welsh's family. Joyce Welsh passed away this week. I don't know if you guys know Joyce. She hadn't been coming to service for a while. Um, she was the 
lady that used to was in the wheelchair that would kind of sit over towards the north side of the building during second service. John drove a, drives a school bus for the community and Joyce has um, been doing at-home dialysis for quite a while and had some heart issues. We prayed for her a couple weeks ago um, and she passed this week. And John, I've talked to him a couple times and the family's come and poured in and are loving on him and they're trying to figure out next steps. And I don't know any news of any kind of a service or anything happening anytime soon. They're trying to work all that out with lots of family. So please pray for John and for the Welshes. Bells? Yes. Yes. Hip replacement three weeks on Tuesday, and I can walk. I can. And there's no walker. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He's going to do the splits after service if you want to watch. <laughs> yes. Chris lift, wants to lift up his friend, Tim Sheen, who's having um, surgery next week on colon rectal cancer. He's gonna be in about 10 or 14 days. So if you lift up Tim. All right, let's go before Lord in prayer. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this time that we can gather together in the front lawn and it is awesome. We're thankful that you've kept us relatively safe here in Albany County, that we have not been ravaged by the virus that is um, hitting the world. And we don't presume to understand how that happens in one area and another area, and I'm not anywhere near a medical professional in understanding anything. What I do know is that you are here with us, that you are caring for us in the midst of all of the stuff that we're swirling around. If we watch too much, TV, then we will be overwhelmed by it all. So I'm thankful, Lord, that you can bring us together as a body in the front lawn of people that love you, that miss being together as a body, and that we can do some things together. And one of the most important things we can do together is to pray. And so I know, Lord, that we can come before you at any time with all of these requests, and we can speak to you directly. We don't need some intermediary or some special way of doing things, but there's something powerful about us coming together and praying as one voice. So Lord, we want to lift up EJ and Chris, who are both struggling with some liver issues. We pray that they would continue to see improvement, as both are, but they're not out of the woods yet. And so I pray that we would see if it's medicine or treatment or something that needs to be um, done surgically, that you will help both of them recover quickly from this. And they're two hardworking men who love to do and to work and to help and to serve and for this to take them out of that path and to put them on is hard sometimes. And so I pray, Lord, you help them to heal quickly. I want to pray for Logan, who's recovering from surgery. And we pray that in this surgery, that everything um, that was attacking her body is removed. That she will be, and I'm sure in a couple of weeks, there'll be a scan, there'll be tests, there'll be all kinds of stuff. And that she'll have, need no more further treatment. That they would have got it all out and that she will recover and she will become healthy and she won't have any more struggles with this lord keep your hand upon her lord we lift up 
um, the Welshes, especially John, and the passing of, of Joyce. We know she's been fighting lots of illnesses and lots of things for a lot of years, and she was a great joy to a lot of people in this community and to our church. What a faithful woman that loved to spend time in your word, loved to spend time even artistic ways, expressing how much she loved you. She's going to be missed. She leaves behind a family that knows exactly where she's at, that she is currently with you in heaven, waiting for family to come or waiting for you to bring us all together when you come back to this earth. So we pray, Lord, for the family as they walk through this process, as they are grieving, as they're trying to deal with all the aftermath and the loss. And so we pray for them, Lord, help them. We pray for the firefighters who are, um, I got on the website last night and looked at all the fires are raging all across the country. And we wanna pray for them, Lord, especially the ones that are close to home, that they would be safe, that there would be no um, attempts to stop things that don't need to be stopped. There would be no loss of life to try to save property, but yet we also know, Lord, that there's lots of things in the wake and we're breathing and smelling the ash and we aren't in the direct line of it. So we pray, Lord, that you keep them safe, keep them healthy, and we're thankful that they would serve all of us in this way. We're thankful for hip surgeries going well and what a praise that from three weeks out to be um, smiling and not literally jumping up and down, but ready to. And so we are thankful, Lord, that you have kept um, everything moving smoothly and the healing process is working great. And we want to pray the same would happen for Tim as he's going to have surgery in a week to remove cancer from his abdomen and that he would have an easy recovery of it. It's a pretty invasive thing, Lord, and we pray you'll get all the cancer out in this procedure and that he would not have any more residual effects. And Lord, we close our prayers as you taught us by saying um, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. today and just talk a little bit about um, something that's been on my heart um, during this COVID period um, and just kind of how I've been able to look at it and reflect on it and, and just how God's been speaking to me through it. Um, and luckily, I starting back in, in the beginning of May, I, I started a study and it was completely brought on by the Holy Spirit touching me and, and asking me to really look into the idea of surrender. And what does that mean? Um, I was struggling at the time in the sense of for a year, year and a half, uh, I've been trying to find a job, a new job um, with little success. Plenty of interviews um, and, and plenty of times I made it to the final rounds of the interviews, but every time being told, sorry, uh, we, we wanna take the, the other person or you're just not quite qualified enough or uh, we're changing the position and now you're overqualified. Um, I heard it all. And, and I got to the point where I was really struggling with what God wanted me to do and where, what path he had me on. Um, but then in that struggle, 
what he laid on me was, I want you to really look into surrender. What does surrender mean to me? Uh, but also, what does God want me to really see surrender mean? And so just in doing that, not having any any way to really kind of focus, I just went to the back of the Bible. I looked up surrender and I found a bunch of reference verses. First place it put me was Psalms 139. I'm not going to read it completely to you. But what it talks about is it's a prayer asking God to come into your heart, asking God to come into your life. And it's not just an acceptance of I'm a Christian, but it's an acceptance of allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, open every door in your house, shine a light in every nook and cranny, every dark place that you have in your heart and your soul, and allowing the Spirit to completely take over, um, to work in you and to work through you. That was, I, I looked at that and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I know that. I know that, Lord. I, I know I got to let you in. And, and I will admit there are times that there are certain things I want I, I want you to be a part of. And admittedly, there are certain things I don't want you to always be a part of. I, I can take care of this. I can keep that door shut and you can have all the others. And so I had to come to a realization I have to open up every door. I have to open up every window. I have to shine a light into every nook and cranny in my heart and soul and allow God truly to work through me. From that verse, um, it took me again, just basic reference. It took me over to um, Jeremiah 29.11. Uh, 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So that just reiterated that idea. If you let me in, I have your future laid out for you. I have plans for you. There's nothing that you have to worry about if you allow me in. Now, he's not promising I'm going to get everything that my heart desires. He's promising that my well-being will be taken care of. I'll be okay. My future's set. And so in my study, I went, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. But you know, with these jobs, I keep praying and I, I, I'm you know, laying it on you. I keep asking you to make this one work and it doesn't. I just don't know what your plan is. And so from there, I, I had to accept, okay, you have my future in your hands. And, and so then he took me, again, reference verse, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what I had to do is I had to sit back and say, okay, Lord, I, I got it. I can't think like you. You're obviously the creator. I know that. I understand that. And he's not telling me to. But what he's wanting me to do is to put it into action, to attempt to be more like him, to attempt to grow and try to understand how my ways reflect his ways. I don't have to be God, but I can certainly walk in the path of God and try to be the best person I can be with his instruction. And what that brought me to was the second part of my study, and it was humility. God hit me with this humbleness. You need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourself to me. You need to humble yourself to everybody else you're around, because it's not just about you. And so I said, okay, God, fine. I'm on my knees. What does this mean? What does this totally mean to be humble? And as God is awesome, and as he's amazing father, he decided not to just tell me in the word, but he decided to show me actuality. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. The heading by itself says enough. Christ's example of humility. I turned to that page not knowing that I was going to land on that page, and I was just shocked. 
I was like, oh no. <laughs> he does have a plan. He does have it laid out for me. I can't hide from it. I can't deny it. I'd like to read this uh, this part to you. It says, so if, he, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affliction any, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of my same mind. That's what he talked about earlier. You know, being, you know, my ways are not, are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts need to be his thoughts. My ways need to be his ways. Having the same, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form uh, in the form of God, he did not count equality with God in things uh, at, in God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How can you argue with that? When God himself said, I'm not only going to tell you to be humble, I'm not even going to tell you about surrender. I'm going to show you what it means. He himself, the guy, the guy, the creator of all, the guy who had it all set up, he didn't have to, but he did. So for the next part, as far as my job hunt, um, I got to the point where I, I quit applying for jobs. Um, I quit even trying um, I just said where I'm going to be is where I'm going to be, and that's it. And uh, one day, um, towards the end of May, a job posting came up. I really prayed on it. I took the study. I thought about it, and I went ahead and applied, not even thinking twice about it. I applied, sent it off, and completely forgot about it. The next day, I get an email asking me if I'd be interested in interviewing, um, and they really wanted me to, to just take the time to come in and, and look. Well, unfortunately, with COVID, that can work. So over the course of about a week, week and a half, I did two more interviews online. Uh, I did two more interviews out in the parking lot, and then I ended up getting the job. And in that time period, what I did, instead of doing what I was doing before, which was praying for myself and praying that God would give me this, this job, I prayed for the individual that was interviewing me because they'd lost two different people out of their marketing department, and, and they had no one that was helping them um, whatsoever. And they were struggling. And I just imagine, man, I can't imagine what that is for a supervisor who doesn't have any marketing background to try to do marketing. That, that has to be a pain, especially if they have their own stuff they're supposed to figure out. And then the other coworkers around them. So I started praying for that department. I prayed for this individual that was interviewing me. I prayed for the company. I just prayed that they would find somebody, not me. I just prayed that they would find someone to fit that and that they would be successful in that. So I've been there. I know what that's like trying to fill in for people. So what I want to encourage everybody today with, especially right now in this time period, we're all struggling in different ways, whether it's jobs, whether it's just being around other people. I, I think you've all noticed and we've all seen some wear masks, some don't, and that even brings agitation. We got to humble ourselves like the Lord has asked us to. We have to think about others before we think about ourselves, because it's not always about ourselves. It's always about the Lord, and that's the way he's laid it out. So I hope this gives you an idea 
I ask you truly too, if, if you're struggling right now, ask the Lord to send you on a path through the word. This was one of the most amazing studies I've ever done. And I've read each of those verses before, but never in this way. I've never been able to connect them. I've never been able to see the fullness of them. And that's why God's such a great father. He's not going to just tell us. He's going to show us. So I encourage you to do that. Thank you. And so in the ultimate act of humility, Christ did go to the cross. Um, thanks for reminding us of that, Jake. Um, we want to take this time in service to celebrate communion. And it has been a long time. And it's part of the core of this church is to celebrate communion together every week. And we have fought and tried and even ordered and the ones you have with you, which we're going to do together, um, those are even hard to come by. Marilyn ordered one kind and that wouldn't show up and she ordered some more and we have enough for this service and maybe one more and then we don't know if we get any more. So I'm not sure when the next time we can celebrate communion together will be. Um, so I, this is a special time. It's one of the foundations of our church. It's a consistent weekly reminder of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, that he moved himself to a place of humility for us to partake in this, that he told his disciples that every time you gather together, break bread, even, and I've told you a lot, that even breaking bread in home, inviting people to your houses, well, that's even become short-sighted in this time. We're all feeling that. And so um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take communion. And the way that these are supposed to work, does anybody, does everybody have one first? If you don't have one, throw your hand in the air and Cole will bring it around. But you peel the top layer, if it works properly, then you'll get to the piece of bread first and then you'll get to the cup of juice to wash down the wafer sometimes that doesn't work right so you're just going to have to be patient and pull it apart I'd like for us to do it together I'm going to pray then let's all take the bread together and then let's all take the juice together would that be okay? Do a little different? alright let's pray Lord thank you for this time in the service so we can come together and we can celebrate communion that we can, as a body, partake in the bread and the cup, symbols of your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. You told the disciples over and over and over again this was going to happen, and they didn't really grasp it. And even that night in the upper room, as you told them, this is how it's going to be, this is what we're going to do, and to remember these moments every time you gather together. And they still didn't get it. I can imagine that after you died and three days later were resurrected, you appeared to them, you taught, you were with them, then you ascended to heaven. The day of Pentecost comes and the Spirit drops and floods their hearts with the power from heaven that you gave them, that that next time they took communion, it all made a little more sense. So I pray, Lord, as we take communion to get today together, after being away from it for so long, that you'll help it to make a little more sense. In Jesus' name, amen. As Jesus passed out the bread to everyone, and if I can get this cup open, he said, take this body, this bread, broken like my body, and eat. 
So let's all take the bread. Your faces are priceless. <laughs> and as Jesus said to take this cup, as he was taking the cup of the last part of Passover, and it's to be symbolic of the cup of wrath that we're do us because of our rebellion but instead we get the cup of grace so as we take this cup and drink it let it be a symbol of the grace that flows from the cross to anyone who would call on his name take this cup and drink I want to pray one last time Lord thank you for this moment thank you for this time I kind of just want to sit in it a little bit really been difficult for our church family to come together as one because of all of the barriers because of this virus we haven't been able to even those who have come into the building the last few weeks and we haven't been able to have communion together so I pray Lord that we would long for the day when we can return to those moments as a body I don't know when that will be I don't know what that looks like but I know that the importance of us gathering together to remember your work on the cross is ultimate. So help us, Lord, each and every day as we break bread with family and with friends. Help us remember this time in the lawn with our portable communion cups being a little different, but being a sweet taste of your promises of grace. We love you. Amen. So, today, um, we're going to take a diversion into the Old Testament. We're going to go to the prophet Haggai, or Haggai, or Haggai, yeah, that, we have a running debate on how to pronounce things. We're going to say Haggai, okay? Uh, I know we went through this book, uh, I think, about six years ago, maybe seven. After going through Mark for a while, we jumped in. So, we'll be in Haggai in the Old Testament uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Now this will become as a great shock. This is a sermon of only one line. And no, I will not be following the prophet Haggai's example forever, or even today. Um, what we see in the history of this, this prophet putting this letter out, there are four sermons in these two chapters. Um, this is after the church after the people of God have been freed from exile and now they are back in their home. Um, the temple has been destroyed and they started rebuilding it and then they stopped. And if you read through some of these minor prophets, there was a pattern going on where the people of God came back to the temple um, and they got work on it, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the grand splendor of when Solomon had built it. They got a little down, they got a little depressed, things weren't the same. And so they stopped working on the temple. They stopped working on the inside. They stopped making it a place of worship. They stopped gathering together. They were just kind of in a funk. They were in, in a place of despair. And I don't think that we're necessarily in a place of great despair, but I feel that, that rising kind of malaise amongst all of us in our society. Um, I decided to... I, I don't... 
don't know if this is wise. This could just be, I, I might have some serious mental health issues. But when I, I'm faced with those kinds of things and like the world's coming around and I don't know what to do, um, I often go back to my history roots and I go read other things to see when in the world times were either like this or even worse than this and try to get some perspective. Because we often can be overwhelmed by the now, what's happening right now, what's happening in the midst, and it, it comes at us from a million angles, whether it's the internet and media and friends and family, and we endlessly debate things and we talk all the time. And, and so I, I have a book that's uh, been part of my, my book collection since college. It's called The Pessimist's Guide to History. There is a counter, The Optimist's Guide to History. I do own that one too, but um, I'm more pessimistic, so I like one more than the other. And I, I just went and looked at the last hundred years when there'd been some pandemics that happened and hit our, hit our world as a, as a whole. And in 1903 to 1908, there was a plague that swept over India and it killed about, a, about 4 million people in five years. In 1910 to 1913, the, ma the last major outbreak is when this is the worldwide plague. Um, there were millions killed in China as well. And then in 17 to 34, after the Russian Revolution, we think about 20 million people died from famine and the flu outbreak of the Spanish flu, which killed 28 million or 22 million worldwide. And then you start factoring in, that's just the diseases. Then you start factoring in world wars. And like the church and the world have seen lots of calamity. That doesn't diminish the fact that we sit right in the middle of ours. So I, I looked at what the prophet Haggai had said, this sermon, after the people of God had been removed, they were in exile. Before that, if you know the Old Testament, there's a history of, of people coming against the people of God. There's wars, there's famines, there's disasters over and over and over. And then they get taken out of their homeland they're exiled, some leadership changes, they're allowed to come back, actually supported in the rebuilding of the temple by this former place that had taken them because of some leadership changes. And then they're, they're just sitting going, oh, I don't, it's not the same. It's not the same. And then the Lord shows up on the scene. And even though I can look back at the history of the world and I can see all of these things happening, I can see the history of of sickness and illness and destruction and evil from humans doing to other humans and all of this stuff. But then I'm also sitting in my current situation. The people of God during the time of fleeing, getting back from the exile, coming back to their homeland, they knew their history. They'd seen all this, this destruction in the past. They'd seen it all before, but they were sitting in the center of what was their reality right there. And I feel like we're in the same place. We know the history of the past, but this is so real right now, it's hard to see through the fog. And so if we open up, if you have a Bible, if we look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. So this is all of the leaders coming together. This is the government, the, the, the people in charge of government understanding. It's also the priests, it's the religious leaders. All of the, the key people come together. They're listening to this prophet. 
Continue on verse 12. And the people feared the Lord. So it seems within the first sermon, within three weeks of people being in a malaise, the prophet Haggai had the, the God through the prophet has an impact on the people where they, they come back to fear and awe of the Lord. God is real. So they, things had started to change because God began to speak. Verse 13, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. And here's his message. They're in a place of fear. God is speaking again through this prophet. They've been rested on their laurels. So then they're hearing from the Lord. The awe of God is coming back. The Spirit's moving. They're starting to feel the presence of God again. And then the prophet speaks this line. I am with you, declares the Lord. Thus endeth the sermon. I am with you, declares the Lord. God, through the prophet, says, I'm with you. I've always been with you. I'm here. What are you waiting for? What are you, what are you feeling so down? And I get it. That what you're sitting in, in the middle of right now is hard, but I'm with you. I'm with you. And immediately, if you keep reading into 14... The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Josh, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They all are, are filled with encouragement. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. They are obedient to God. The challenge didn't originate with the people. The challenge was given by God himself. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm with you. And that's all it took was the reminder, I'm with you. I don't know if you guys watch, there's a TV show on right now, and it's been on for several years uh, on the History Channel called Alone. And in it... Um, the challenge is 10 people are dropped off in the middle of the wilderness. They're only given about 10 survival items and some clothes and stuff. And whoever stays out the longest wins. So if you make it, you have no idea when this, this challenge is going to end. You have no idea what the end date is. Just survive in the woods, catching your food, taking shelter, whatever. And they usually put them in areas where the winter is coming. So they want the weather to have a factor. Um, here it's, you know by August, but these areas, it seems like it's in November, and so they have to survive, and I think the longest some people have stayed out is around 80-some days, 75 days, and they win, but there are people that quit. There's one guy that made it, all this, he's done his survival skills, worked on this stuff, figured his plan out, and I think he made it four hours. <laughs> Left his family, he had the, had the trip, it's all planned out, the helicopter drops him off, he lands, and he's like all fired up, and then he hears something moving in the area. There's always black bears or something to get you. And so he's, he's like, uh, I don't, and he punches the satellite button. I don't know if the helicopter made it back to the camp, but he punches the button, and he goes, I'm out. I just, I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't be here. There was one guy in one season where he, this guy had, I don't know, I don't know if you remember watching Swiss Family Robinson, like his, and you know how they built all the stuff and there's all the contraptions and all the things and all the... Well, this guy built all of that. He had like a table here and a bed and he was a craftsman and it was all... And he got to about 38, 39 days and he's like, you know, I think I've done everything I want to do. 
I miss my wife. All right, and he pushes the button. There's other people that cut themselves and they're injured and they have injuries and snap their knees and they leave and all that kind of stuff. But there, there's a consistent pattern of what tends to take people out is being completely isolated from their family and their friends. It's not the creature comforts. It's not the I'm dirty. It's not I got to go catch things and kill things and do stuff. All that, that's what they love to do. But they're consistently isolated from their family and friends and things start to shake loose. They miss their family and their friends. They miss home. It's not the creature comforts. It's, it's interaction with others. And so this whole show is a show based upon can people handle being alone? And there are a few people with some, maybe they have something loose, and they're like, I love being alone. This is great. I like to think that I would do excellent at this show, um, but I'd probably make it a week. And I'd be like, oh, just, uh, where's people? But maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. Think of the, the people of God in the exile seeing their entire world taken away. We know that part of this was, was a judgment and a correction by God himself to draw away, to push away from what they've known, and then they come back and God fulfills his promise to never let his people go, and he says, I am with you. I am with you. And during all of this stuff that we've been struggling with since March, even this last week, more and more and more things. The university changes its plans. The local secondary schools change their plans. And there's a constant wave of what's next and how much and, Lord, what's happening and I don't understand and what's going on and is there going to be relief, is there not? Well, is this going to happen, is that? And, and there's this constant... I don't know what's going on. And it changes almost daily. And I think the encouragement we can get from the Word of God, whether it's in surrendering, as Jake told you, or we see here in what the prophet Haggai has been given from God to the people of God, I'm with you. You are not alone. We might have to be distanced. We might have to be separated from each other more than we have been in the past. You are not alone. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. He doesn't want you to feel desperation. He wants you to know that he's right there with you. I'm going to read it to you all in one sitting. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. It wasn't about painting walls. It wasn't about bringing gold leaf to inlay into the temple. It was the people of God missing the point. 
God is with you. He declares it. I am with you. I am with you, says the Lord. We see Jesus um, as he is ascending to heaven. He's leaving his disciples behind. In Matthew chapter 28, he tells them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That when Jesus is about to leave, he's about to ascend, he's told them, I'm going to go, I'm sending a helper that's going to be better for you to have the helper than for me to be around. And he tells them, go, take care of people, spread the word of God, baptize others in my name, spread the truth of who Jesus is. And he ends it with, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age that Jesus hasn't left us. The end of the age he's talking about is the church age. The age that we're in right now, where we're continuing to spread the truth of Jesus, help people to find hope in him. When that age ends, it's when Jesus returns. So until he returns, he's with us. That the same declaration made to the people of God after exile is made to his disciples on that day, and it's the same declaration made to all of us today. He is with you. He is with you. What's that mean? It means we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in constant anxiety. We don't have to live in a place where we have to figure it all out. Instead, we can surrender. We can live lives with open hands saying, whatever comes, Lord, I know you're with me. I know that whatever this is we're dealing with is not punishment for your children, but it might be something to teach us. So how have you reached out to the people around you and helped them know that God's still here? God's still in control. God's still in charge. God still loves you. How many people need that touch of encouragement? How many people need just a phone call? They need some time in social distance coffee sharing. Or maybe it's in a front yard, or maybe it's a note or a letter or a phone call or a text or a message just to know you're thinking about them, just to know that they aren't alone. Then you can remind them, you know God's still with you, right? You know the Lord's still with you. You know Jesus still has work for us to do. He's told us to go and make disciples. He's told us to help others see the truth. And we can still do that even though we can't do it the way we used to. So to end, what is he calling you to during this time? Too often we worry about the now, and sometimes we too often live all the way in the past. And then sometimes we live way too much thinking about the future. I think there's seasons for all of that, but we're told clearly when we pray the Lord's Prayer each and every week at this church to thank God for the daily bread that we're given. That each and every day we take care of today. It doesn't mean we don't plan for the future. It doesn't mean we don't remember the past. It doesn't mean we don't focus on things. But we can't let all of the unknowns overwhelm us. Instead, we have to wake up every single day asking the Lord to show us 
who to reach out to, how to respond, how to live, and we trust that he is with us through all of it. Can you do that? I thought I had something good to say, but then the truck distracted me. But, so never mind. So my challenge to you the next week, and I don't know what it looks like if we're going to try to do this a few more times in the lawn. I mean, you guys all responded. I think it's great. Um, it's going to get cold real fast. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what the governor said. We can now have gatherings of 1,000 outside. So maybe we rent out the football stadium to allow us and do a 5,000-person Laramie church service. That'd be cool. I don't know. But... You need to take time with the Lord to ask him, where do I need to reach into people's lives? What do I need to do? It's a, it could be a journey through, through the word, through something you're struggling with. It could be reaching out to your neighbor. It could be having some interaction with the people that you haven't seen in a while. It could be your coworkers. I mean, think of what's about to happen in a couple of weeks when the schools start up. And there's going to be lots of confusion of kids and where they're going and how we're doing this. And Look for some practical ways, but then also look for some real deep heart ways to reach out to people. Just pray for the Spirit to show you what to do, and then step into that. We can't just rest as the people came back from exile. They, were, they didn't know what to do. We need to trust that the Lord is with us, and we need to be moved to help those around us. Hello. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you're with us. That we don't have to, to worry about that being a false truth, for that being a, a thing that we have to stress over. We know you're with us. Over and over and over again in your word, you tell us that you're going to be with us to the end of the age. That from the Old Testament prophets to your son Jesus, You've promised to never let us go. So I pray, Lord, that we can rest in that. But I also pray that that would be a motivating factor for us to reach out to people around us, to help share that hope and that truth with people all around. That as the hits keep coming through news reports and social media, and we can be wrapped up in it all so much, there's a lot of people that need to hear from good, friendly connected, relationship-driven voices that they're not alone. We are not good when we're left all alone. And so I pray that we would tap into the truth that you're with us, and we would also be that truth for others. Help us to step into people's lives and let them see that they're not alone. And then help us to spend time with you, being overwhelmed with the truth that you're in us, you're around us, you're with us, and you're never going to leave us. In Jesus' name, amen.
together. Uh, so good to be around my church and to share communion, to worship, to enjoy each other, Lord. I've missed us being able to gather and to share communion, and it's good. So I pray, Lord, that you'll help all of the stuff that's swirling around preventing that to end, that we would see a ceasing of this virus and the spread. It would end quickly so that we can come together as a global body, the church, reaching out to our neighbors, helping each other, 
but also helping people to see hope in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.